Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. topic today is finding meaning after the loss of a twin child. And in our first segment, our guest is Jenny Hander. Jenny Hander is a bereaved mother and author of A Place of Peace. After the loss of her infant twin daughter, Alyssa, in 2005, Jenny turned back to her Christian faith. Jenny's mission is to share her journey and uplift others through writing and public speaking. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Good morning, Heidi. Thank you so much. And hi, Gloria. Hi. It's great to have you on from Texas, huh? That's right. It's a little hot here, but otherwise we're doing good. <laughs> well, um, tell us a little bit about uh, your babies and what happened. Absolutely. In 2005, my husband and I decided we were ready to start a family, so after a few months, we learned that we were expecting, and at my eight-week prenatal checkup, we learned that we were expecting not one baby, but two. Mm, we had gotten pregnant naturally with identical twins, but we would later discover to be identical twin girls, and it was truly amazing. To see those two babies on the screen, I'll never forget it. It's just, you feel, you know, society is so fascinated with twins and higher order multiples mm-hmm. that it's just, you feel almost chosen, I guess, in a way. It's just, it's such a unique experience. I've, had, I've and, heard people uh, say that when they give birth to twins in the hospital, they feel like, wow, everybody's looking at us kind of jealous because we had twins. That's right. That's what I mean, that you just, like I said, you feel, uh, you know, whether it's right or wrong, but you like to feel chosen in a way, and just mm-hmm. you feel unique, because conceiving more than one child is so profound. It's just, it's not something, though it seems more common these days, um, it's still not something that happens that often. You know, it doesn't happen to everyone, so it's definitely a unique experience. So the pregnancy was wonderful. I loved being pregnant. I could feel both of the girls. It was just, it was great. Um, all the way up through six months, the girls appeared to be completely healthy. Um, they had sonograms at every checkup, and everything was looked just fine. Then I went in at six and a half months. My doctor actually told me that I was in labor, which I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I thought she just had a sick sense of humor because all I'd ever heard about was how painful contractions are supposed to be, and I hadn't felt anything at all. Um, but no, I was, I was in labor and was admitted to labor and delivery for a couple of days, and everyone thought it was just normal premature labor, which happens a lot with twins. Um, but on the third day, two perinatologists were consulted, and sure enough, within minutes of doing a high-level sonogram, the girls were diagnosed with a rare condition called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And I've never even heard of such a condition. Um, it's something that only happens with identical twins or higher-order multiples that share a placenta. And in that placenta, there are blood vessels that actually connect the two babies. And for whatever reason, blood will start transferring from one baby who's seen the donor twin to the other baby who's seen the receiving twin. Mm. And Alexa ended up being our donor twin, and she was so short on fluids that um, she was essentially stuck in place in my womb. And Alyssa was our receiving twin and had so much blood and fluid in her amniotic sac that her heart rate was beginning to drop just as soon as the diagnosis was being read. And pressure from that extra fluid had already caused what would later be categorized as a grade 4 bleed in her brain. So the decision to deliver was easy. There wasn't much that could be done for them inside the womb. So they were delivered by emergency C-section within about 45 minutes of our diagnosis. Um, Just at 26 weeks gestation, they were 14 weeks premature. So um, this all happened, like I said, within a matter of an hour or so. We had no indication that anything was wrong um, because things happened very acutely. They had really happened between six months and about six and a half months. So it was in about a two-week period is when, you know, everything kind of went awry. 
So Alexa would spend the next 89 days in neonatal intensive care. Um, it was the longest three months of my life, I think. <laughs> I was wow. a without your baby. And That's really exhausting, it, isn't it, having it truly, babies in there? It truly was. Yep, having, um, you know, it's all the little things that you take for granted as a new mom. I've had friends since then talk to me about hearing their baby cry when they were born. Well, that's not something I experienced because my babies weren't breathing when they were born. And they immediately had to put ventilator tubes down their throats. And so it was, um, I didn't get to hold them because they were rushed right away, you know, off to ICU. And um, it was 10 days before I could hold Alexa. Now, did you try to pump your milk or did you just? I did, actually. And it, it went out really well. That's the one thing that went really well for us is I was able to pump for them. Um, that was an experience I've been longing to have. I couldn't wait to nurse the girls. And I've been drinking lots of water because I knew with twins it would be a challenging experience. But, you know, I was able to do that. The hospital, you know, teaches you what to do. And um, that was the only thing I could do for the girls. So every three hours, for three months, I would wake up in the middle of the night and um, do everything I could to get them the milk to feed them. And, I and that must have been kind of bittersweet, thing. too, because you were pumping, but they weren't with you. you That's right. And them. I, I would actually t- have pictures up of them in the house <laughs> just uh, to kind of help keep me motivated to do that. And like I said, the only thing that kept it going is that was the only thing that I could really do as a mom to help yeah. my babies for the first couple of months. So, so that's um, exhausting. So then you get towards the end and, and you find out that the baby's got, in your in your book, A Place of Peace, by the way, it speaks about this um, very tenderly, about finding out that the baby was uh, having a bleed in the brain. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we knew, um, like I said, shortly before they were delivered, they could already see the bleed in her brain. That's how bad it was. They could see it in utero. So we knew that when she was born that uh, chances weren't very good for her survival. But as a parent, you can't give up. You, you, you know, it's too soon to give up. We were asked the second night if uh, if we wanted the doctors to continue to treat her. And I just couldn't believe that I was actually being asked that about my own child, asked to make that decision about my own child, when to me she looked just like Alexa. I mean, they were both on the ventilators. They were both tiny and had lots of wires to go to them, but they looked the same to me. Alyssa didn't look any sicker than Alexa, so mm-hmm. I, I couldn't stand to let go of one of my children before I'd even gotten a chance to know her or to hold her. So then your husband and you decided that eventually that listening to the doctor and having him talk about the fact that she would probably never be able to, she'd be totally paralyzed. And, That's right. Mm-hmm. And you finally made the decision with your husband, uh, talking about it in the book, as I said, up to uh, decide not to do any heroic measures. That's and then, right. And then um, very tenderly you speak about holding that sweet baby as she died. That's right. That's right. That's something that was um, probably the hardest decision I've ever been facing. And as a parent, to ask to place a DNR, do not resuscitate order on your child's chart. And um, the biggest thing, the biggest struggle I had was I felt like I was giving up on her. And essentially... That's not what caused her death. Um, I said we did agree to place that order on her chart because we decided that to prolong her life would only be for ours. For our so then, so then, uh, the stuff in the uh, service of time, you you did. They took her off the ventilator, and she could not uh, breathe. With that, without right. the ventilator, make... and so right. you all um, stood there, and, and you know you held her, and and mm-hmm. as she passed away, very mm-hmm. very touching, very very touching story. Were you angry? Very. That's. I think that's. You know, they talk about the stages of grief, and I think anger is the one that has plagued me the most. Even to this day, there's still just kind of some random days, and I, I still get angry that this had to happen to you know my child, to my daughter. So, and when you look at Alexa, do you think of? Is it Alyssa? Do you think of her? 
I do. It's hard not to, knowing right. that they were identical twins. And I, I never forget the first time Alexa, when she was just learning how to walk, walked in front of a mirror that I have hanging in my bedroom, and she touched it. So what I could see is two of them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I could see the mirror image of that. And, um, I mean, that, that's an image I'll never forget, that I'll never you know, be able to get out of my mind. But in a way, I consider that a blessing, too. I get to see what Alyssa might have looked like now um, at the age of three and, and on through her life. So I want to uh, go from to your book a little bit because um, you talk about acceptance and learning to soar. Um, it's been three years for you now, right? That's right. Uh-huh. Talk about that. How have you come into acceptance? And I, I know religion's played a big part in it for you. And can you talk to our audience a little bit about that? Sure. It was really a huge, that was the biggest turning point for me is the day that I accepted that Alyssa was not coming back. And that, that sounds silly to those who I think haven't gone through the grieving process. How could you not accept it? You've, you've gone through the funeral process. You've, you've lost your child. But I, I really refused to accept that she was gone. I, I believed that if I prayed hard enough, because um, I believed, you know, as a Christian, that I was going to have this great life, that nothing bad was going to happen to me, and yet that's not at all what, uh, what the Bible teaches. That's why I say, in a way, I, I think I kind of gave up on my religion because I said, well, this isn't right. Then I just—I don't understand how this has happened. I just—I give up. I don't—I don't see how life could ever be good again. Um, so what? There, there went all my beliefs. Um, and so for six months, I really struggled with that. I just refused to accept that Alyssa was gone because I'd always believed in this great life and could not see how my life would ever be great again. Yes, I had Alexa, and I was so happy for her life. Um, but how? It, how could it truly be good when I would always still be the mother without a child? Um, so for six months, I just refused to believe that she was gone, and finally I was tired of fighting. I was tired of, of being down, of, of feeling dark and feeling helpless and hopeless. I was really tired of the hopelessness. And so one day I finally said, okay, okay, I just, I'm going to choose to believe in my faith again, choose to believe that I don't see how, but I will choose to believe that life can be good again, even without the loss of my, without my daughter. I don't see how, but that's why they call it faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. That's what the Bible teaches. So I clung to those verses, just a few, even though I couldn't see how they would come true. I chose to believe in them, and that's really what was the turning point for me, is um, believing that things would be good again. And it really... Now, did you have a pastor help you with that, or did you come to that? You no, know, I really own? didn't. Alexa was still... Her health was still so critical. Um, I know you guys had to... You, they had <laughs> to... Uh, every, every time you went out, you had to clean... <laughs> You you had to have showers and stuff, right? So that you wouldn't bring any germs back. That's right. So Mm -hmm. I really didn't leave the house for two years. So this is something I really kind of did alone. And so you were kind of with your Bible. Yeah, I really was my Bible, but the, the few things that I knew from my past, you know, experience and um, clung to those things, and I think that's all I could manage anyway, were just a few things, and you know, I didn't, this is the reason why I wrote the book, or published the book, is I didn't really want to hear from somebody else who hadn't gone through such an experience, because though I knew um, my pastors would be able to educate me on scripture, I didn't feel like they could truly relate to me, because had they ever lost a child, how did they know how bad I was hurting? And actually, that's the biggest reason I published the book, is for the one other person out there so that I could say, I've been there too, I've hurt that bad, and this is how and at what point in my grief that I decided to turn things around. This is how I found hope again. And how did you find hope? It was really just accepting that she was gone, and it instantly brought me peace. Just that acceptance of this is what has happened, and now I have to find a way to move on. It was the day that I quit asking why it happened and started asking what do I do now with it. So So you kind of surrendered to the idea. That's right. That's exactly what it was. It's just surrendering that this is my life. I'm going to believe because my faith tells me that my life will be good again. I'm going to believe that it will. 
and now let's see how. I started looking for ways that it could be good again. I found joy in all the things Alexa was doing. And for those who didn't bring a surviving sibling home, you can say, well, what do I have um, to look forward to? I looked. I started being thankful for the fact that I did have twins. I didn't have twins anymore, but I did. I will always have been the mother of twins. I will always remember what it was like to have both of them in my womb. So those are the things, like I said, that it started to bring me joy. It started to give me hope again. You know, how about people saying, well, good, you've got one. You know, I, I was told that. I was told that by one of Alexa's doctors, actually, that I should be thankful I still brought one baby home. And I say, you know what? I absolutely am. I'm overjoyed at the life of Alexa. I still had to have a baby. I still got to have a baby in my nursery at home. But you know what? It doesn't make my grief any less. Alyssa was not half of a child. She wasn't part of a set. She was a complete person. I lost my complete daughter that day. It doesn't make the grief any easier for that daughter, for that person that you lost. And in addition, this is what I found about losing a twin, is it's really compounded because I also lost, I also grieved for the loss of my twin experience. Again, am I still the mother of twins? I don't know. We go out in public and people don't know that Alexa is an identical twin. You know, they're again talking about society and how fascinated they are with twins. You, As a mother of twins, you're so excited about getting that experience and then it's gone. So, And also grieving the loss for your daughter, Alexa, of her twin sister. Exactly, of her twin experience. And, and I wonder, you know, as she grows older, what kind of questions will she have for us? So if we teach her about Alyssa now, but she's too young to really understand um, about her twin or, or the fact that she was a twin. She knows she has another sister named Alyssa. Um, but, you know, the twin thing, she doesn't get it yet. So how is she going to feel if she gets older when she hits puberty? Um, you know, is she going to have those, you know, you had a guest back on in April that talked about the loss of a twin sibling yeah. and the grief that they feel, and that's something I won't be able to understand because I'm not a twin. So, yeah, I really have concerns for her. Uh, uh, I think you just made a good point. We have had people talk about it, and that's one of the things that I think uh, is nice to get together with other people who have had the same experience uh, a twin who's lost a twin, you know, as she gets older. Well, talk a little bit. The last chapter of your book is freedom. Talk about freedom mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, just to know, I said to stop fighting that this happened to me and stop fighting that I would never live a good life again, that things would always be sad, I would always have to grieve, just to let all of that go, like I said, in acceptance and surrender that this did happen to me and yet cling to my faith and that things would be good again. Um, publishing the book was a huge a celebration for me. That I mean, that was brought a lot of freedom and joy. And since then, I've been able to talk to so many people and sh- just share my experience with other people. Um, now, how will people get in touch home. with you? Uh, my website is a great place to reach me at. It's, it's www.aplaceofpeace.net. Which is they the same as your book, A Place of Peace. That's right. Same mm-hmm. as the book title. Um, I do have a blog that links to that website as well as an email address that people can feel free to send me a message on. That's great. And, and is there a scripture that has helped you? I've seen, I've saw a couple. Yeah, it really is. It was First Corinthians two verse nine, which says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. That was the one scripture verse that I clung to and chose to believe in, and it really has been revealed in my life. Like I said, since I made that decision to believe. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And and I wanted to close uh, this segment of the show by reading what you wrote at the very last of your book, which is, I love you, Alyssa. I miss you. I look forward to the day when I can hold you for eternity. Thank you. Thank you uh, so much for being on the show. It's just um, been wonderful having you on, hasn't it? It has. Thanks, Jenny, so much. Absolutely. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. 
you can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.